Hello, Texans, and welcome to the program that brings you inside NRG Stadium. It's Texans All Access. I'm Mark Vandermeer with John Harris as we take you into the weekend and talk about a bunch of things related to professional football, and some not because that's just the way we do it sometimes here. Johnny, happy Friday. Here we go. I hope you're defrosting, and (laughs) I know we have another cold one tonight. we got to get through one more night, one more hill to climb in the deep freeze of 2021, and then that's it. Goodbye. No more below freezing temperatures, please. Yeah, I, I hope that's the case. It's funny because what do we say in August? Whenever we get cold weather, I'm never going to complain. And it really wasn't – I really wasn't complaining about the cold weather. Uh, I'll be honest. I didn't, I didn't mind the cold weather. But it's what the cold weather brought on that made me upset. That's the I – can, I can handle cold weather. You know me. Uh, you guys got those nice fancy space heaters, you and Dre, up in the press box. And I'm down, you know, freezing my little tootsies off. So I'm, I'm okay with cold, man. I'm fine. But I just didn't want it to shut down everything that it did. But uh, everything in the, in the Harris household is finally back up and running. Power, internet, um, water. Uh, so I got my left tackle, my edge. I even got my special teams back with my internet. So we should be, uh, we should be all uh, good to go. And hopefully the same for, for you, Mark, uh, the family, and obviously all of our listeners out there. Yeah, everything's fine with us, and I checked in with Dre, and everything's fine at his house as well, so that's cool. You know, a couple of things about Texans fascinate me. Of course, cold weather reactions shouldn't be that surprising, right? I yeah, saw one meme not. out there. It said, Houstonians, when there's a hurricane coming, and it was Mel Gibson and Braveheart in full makeup, <laughs> like, Rah! Houstonians, when it's below freezing, and they had a picture of the cowardly lion, yes. and that's pretty darn accurate. Yes. Now, as far as the heat goes, though, I'm always surprised in the spring when you get those first like 85 degree days and, you know, close to 90 and people are saying, oh, it's so hot. I'm thinking that's nothing. You'll be begging for 85 degrees in another couple of months. Right. When it's 95 at camp, you're thinking about 85 as like Bill O'Brien once said, a great Alaskan cold front blowing through. Well, that's that's the thing. I'm surprised about that. When when that day comes, that spring day. When you've had really nice, you know, 70 to 75, and you're like, okay, this is why I live in Texas these days. And you look around the country, and it's 30 and 40 other places. And then all of a sudden, that day pops up to like 88 out of the blue, and you're like, whoa, I'm not ready yet. That's the thing. You're not ready for it. And uh, hopefully, uh, that won't be the case. Hopefully, it'll be nice and, and, uh, nice and warm, but not overly hot sometime soon but when I saw that Monday temperatures were going to be in the 70s I was like you know what that's more like this time of year then again I will say Mark at this time of year where are we usually typically at this time of year combine combine and we get weather just like this yeah so we're kind of used to it it kind of it kind of brought me back if I would have had power and water the entire time I'd have felt right at home in Indianapolis I mean Houston (laughs) Well, the acceptance level of, and we've all dealt with it, no matter what your walk of life is, with the COVID situation, everything changing, who moved my cheese every single day of the year, right? Yeah. And clearly with us, with training camp and the season, last offseason, and losing the combine, because that was the last real regular non-COVID NFL event we had in 2020, Losing the combine is a real heartbreaker. Just added on to the list of heartbreakers because we love that event. I love seeing everybody yep. from around the league. It's a big convention. Uh, it's very informal in many ways. You see people out at the restaurants and everything. And, you know, the owners meetings, I, I go there too, but that's a little more uh, upper crusty. You know, that, that's like <laughs> that's a, that's, little, a little bit more buttoned up a little bit. 
yeah, it's it's a like little Thurston bit. Howell and Lovey and me. You know who doesn't belong here? You know the combine just feels like it's everybody. It's open yeah. to every, all the assistant coaches, scouting people. So you see. Uh, you know, bumping to Dave Ragone and people like that. I don't yeah. bump into Dave Ragone at the owners' meetings. So it's just fascinating to me. Well, I use that word again. It's interesting to me to be at the combine. I really love it. But anyway, here we are. Johnny, I wanted to dig into this all week, really, ever since the, um, the announcement of J.J. Watt and the Texans parting ways, and just get into inventory on the defense, particularly the line. I don't think we have time to go through all of it. I don't want to, um, you know, bog everybody down with every single nitty gritty thing. McLean hit on it a little bit last night, but when you look at who's on this defensive line, who is slated to come back as of now, people who are under contract, there's no guarantee you're going to make the football team come Labor Day. Uh, who's a restricted free agent, unrestricted free agent, that kind of thing. Let's go through some of this, shall we? With what we think that a Lovey Smith defense might look like with Bobby King coaching this line. Are you ready, my friend? Oh, of course. Of All course. Right. And I think the first thing that we have to talk about, it's not a member of the personnel, but it is what's the change in how this defense will function, i.e., will it be more of a 3-4, two-gapping type defense? Will it be a multiple defense, or will it be what we've known Lovey Smith to have over the years, and that's kind of a 4-3, one-gap penetrating defense, playing some Tampa 2 in the back end or a lot of zone? You know, how much did Lovey's time with Illinois change things? So that, to me, is kind of the first thing to handle, Mark, and I think it could – could change in some sense some of the some of the personnel and how it fits as we look at it but yeah I you know we talked about this a little bit with the defensive line without J.J. Watt and look it's it it there there are going to be some additions there's no question about that there has to be but you're losing J.J. Watt a guy that was a mainstay yeah I know he's injured in 16 17 and part of 19 but he was just a mainstay. You could rely on him. Mm-hmm. You called for it all, you know, all the time. JJ, it's time to make a play, and he'd make a play. This group is going to have to be more of whole is greater than the sum of its parts, to be honest. Well, I think, you know, I go back to the Panthers, not in 2020, but 2019, when I think they led the NFC in sacks and nobody had more than eight or nine or something. Sometimes yeah. you have an ensemble uh, doing the job, and, and maybe that's what this is going to have to be. It looks like right now that's what it's going to have to be. But we're here in February, John. This is clearly – we know this. It's going to change. You have the draft. You have free agency. You have possible trades. So you just don't know what that Labor Day roster is going to look like when you get through that fourth or third, in this case, preseason game. But let's go through some of it because, you know, I'm thinking about who are your top people coming back. I mean, Charles who is a player that has a lot of talent heading into year three, and clearly – in a 4-3, he's still a defensive end, right? I mean, he's still going to play. Yes. He's going to play on the end, and you want him to go after the passer. You want him to play the run solidly. And I know that he is excited about having a big year. I mean, he knows that when you step into year three as a player, you really got to make a statement there because you're setting yourself up from a personal standpoint for your next contract, and you just want to continue to ascend as a player. I think that change – to a to a four three, which allows Charles in particular to to move to a true four three defensive end position. I think there will be nobody on the face of this green earth happier than Charles Amenahu. I think Charles forced in forced in some sense to play inside. That's not his that's not his cup of tea. 
I don't think Charles likes doing it. I don't think it's where he's best served. But when you're playing more of a, a three-four, then that's what's asked of you. And also, when you have lost bodies, you lost PJ Hall, you lost Brandon Dunn, Blackson was cut, Reader was let go, or was uh, allowed to go to free agency. You just didn't have depth in there, and so now you're hurting. So now Charles has got to move inside, and he's a fish out of water. But Charles on the outside, and to me, this is the, one of the interesting parts. Mark, I think about roster building, especially at that position and defensive line. And you've heard me say this for a long time, that when it comes to defensive linemen, I, I don't like to pigeonhole them into this guy's a defensive end, this guy's a defensive tackle. Situations are, are different across the board. And one of them, and I'm seeing this a lot in the draft, is that you have a lot of guys that could play that 4-3 defensive end spot against the run but then on third down or passing downs, move inside and rush against the guard. And to me, that is Charles Amenahu in a nutshell. I go back to that rookie year against Kansas City when he's rushing against Austin Ryder and just whips him, gets that big turnover, and, right, and that lets the Texas score a touchdown, take the lead going into the half. And that was a massive play. That's Charles in a nutshell. Rush inside play outside first and second down or rush downs. He can rush from out there, no problem. But if you can get to a point where he can then come inside and rush, where he can just free up, I think we went back and looked at all of his pressures. A good majority of the pressures came rushing from the inside. And I see a lot of those guys coming from college football now that have got, you know, they're 6'2", 6'3", 6'4", 280. And they're a little light to live inside, but you don't mind them going and renting space. And so you see a lot of – I think Charles is that kind of guy. And I think he's perfect to do that. So I think this fits Charles more than anybody else. And I think the other person that a, a move like this could, could really aid in some sense is Ross Blacklock. Because I think Ross – I think what we learned about Ross last year is playing the Big 12 and playing NFL, obviously, yes, it's different. But why is it different? The NFL is going to require you to bog down, really press and attack the outside shoulder of guards, use your strength. Where in the Big 12, a lot of it was about quickness and pursuit. In watching Ross, you could see the athleticism because he was running the ball. He didn't even really take on blocks. He was just, you know, just seeing it and going. NFL asks you to do something different, especially the Texans. They're asking you to two-gap a little bit, play both sides of a gap. But in a system like Lovey's, Ross might be able to just attack one gap, go. Just use your athleticism, get upfield. And Tommy Harris, Oklahoma, who played for the Bears, uh, and others that played for Lovey Smith, man, that was a key position for them. And Lovey was able to find guys that could do that, that were built like Ross, that wanted to use their athleticism, could use their athleticism, and created a lot of habit doing it. So to me, this defensive line and its success will come down to those two guys in particular and fitting a little bit more and fitting better into the defense than maybe they did last year. Well, Johnny, you mentioned P.J. Hall, and he got hurt last year, and he looked pretty good when he was in there. It looked yes. like a find for the Houston Texans. He's a restricted free agent, so you do have some control over the situation. Yep. And I'm, I'm eager to see how he might fit into their plans. He's over 300 at 305. I'm looking at a lack of size here, I believe, because Amenahu, all right, he can play defensive end at his weight, listed 280, uh, Blacklock 290. 
Now, uh, Carlos Watkins unrestricted at about 300. Brandon Dunn comes back from injury. He's 310. Do they need more size? Big Z still on this roster. He was a rookie last year. I'm not going to attempt to pronounce his name right now because I'm out of season. <laughs> but he's 6'4", 320. Yeah. And I think that they want to see what he's got in the tank because he showed some signs, some promise, especially during camp. They kind of like the way he looked. So – there is a lot to consider there. I mean, there's no question you're going to add to this, <laughs> but we're just looking. We're looking at the cupboard right now. It's kind of like after the after the power went out and you're seeing what you have available to eat, okay? These are the guys who are available <laughs> to play right now if you had to go yeah. Sunday and you're thinking, you know, i got to go to the grocery store and get a little bit more here. But I do have some things to build on. I, I have some things I can make the meal with perhaps here with this current group. Yes, no doubt. Now, to, to both your questions, number one, as it pertains to PJ, I think PJ was absolutely a find. And I think from a restricted free agent standpoint, the, the nice thing is you'll be able to match whatever a team puts out there. So if it's, you know, two years for $300 million a year, you get a chance to match that. Uh, it won't be, obviously, but you get my point is you'll be able to know. You, you almost don't even have to negotiate in some sense you can kind of let other teams set the market and then you can look at it and say okay um yeah that's not a market we can live in or it's not a market we should live in or you know what yeah we need to have that because to your point you've got to have more ingredients in the booyah base especially up front and especially the way that teams in this division play you're gonna beat the colts and not have any size and let jonathan taylor just run the ball over you derrick henry I mean, there's a, that's four games. that It's 25% of your games. And then let's throw in James Robinson from the Jags, too. That's six games of your 16, almost 40% of your games, where you're facing teams that are going to want to pound the rock. And if you don't at least have a little bit of size, at least a little bit, you don't have to be, you know, all, you know three or four guys, you know, 320 plus. But I do think you have to find somebody or, or a guy or two that does have some size, can, you know, uh, hold their own against double teams even. And that was one thing that was great about Reader. Reader could hold his own against double teams, and Zach and BMAC just ran into the ball. Mm-hmm. And that was hugely valuable. So, and, and obviously, DJ got paid for it. So, from that perspective, you've got to have – if you don't have a bunch of guys with size, then you better have some dudes that are 300, 305 that are strong as an ox that can hold up against that. And you saw at the end of the year, we didn't have that. We didn't have anybody that could really hold up. You know, like you said, Brandon Dunn, what is he, 310, you said, yep. something like that? Yep. You know, Dunny plays a little bigger than that, you know, because he can hold his own. He's learned the tricks yeah. of the trade. He's learned how to hold his own in there at 310 pounds. That said, there's some size in this draft that I think, Mark, could end up being had in the third or fourth round. And there are going to be some free agents that are out there. And look, how many, how many times, what, 2014? Well, we went and got big grease yep. halfway through the year or, or somewhere early in the year, and then, and then he played very well. He didn't have to play every down, but just enough to get them to second and third down. Mm-hmm. Um, we've had – you know, Vince Wilford came in. Vince wasn't what he was prior to, but, he, you know, two years of just clogging holes up and just, you know, blocking things up for teams. And now I think we're playing three teams in our division that run it that much better, that we, we better improve in that, in that way that – we find some guys that can hold up a little bit better against the pressure that those offensive lines are going to be able to put on us. 
Well, I'm excited to see. Now, let's see about these linebackers who might be able to become defensive ends. Grenard, you can play him at defensive end, right? Yes. Yes, you can. What about a guy like Duke Ejiofor or maybe a Jacob Martin? And we still have Whitney Merciless to think about. Let's start with Ejiofor. Well, first of all, the biggest thing with Duke is just getting back healthy. Yeah. That, that's going to be the biggest thing. And then you're going to have to kind of reverse the, the, the rewire. And it's the same on Whitney, too. It's funny because, you know, Duke played his hand in the ground most of the time Wake Forest come out of college. That's all Whitney was. Whitney was a put his hand in dirt and rushed the quarterback when he was in college playing in a 4-3 at Illinois. And then when he came here, they run 3-4 and he stand up. I I'm sure Whitney could put his hand in the ground, but he's so used to playing up now. I, you know, and, and look, there are some guys that play from an up position no matter what, whether they're a 3-4, 4-3, doesn't, doesn't really matter. But, you know, I think Grenard definitely can do it. And I'd be interested to see what Duke can give to you. But he was coming off one year with an Achilles, one year with an ACL. And, look, it, and, and, and I don't want that to mean that I think Duke can play. He's fully healthy. I just want to see him be fully healthy and get rid of some of this bad luck. Uh, and to see whether he can go back and put his hand on the ground and play uh, the way that he did in his Wake Forest career before he really kind of messed up his shoulder, um, which is really what, what opened him up to be there in the sixth round for us. But I think all those guys can't put their hands on the ground. The one to me that's going to be really interesting, though, is Jacob Martin and where, where, where he fits because he's so fast and so quick. Coming off that edge, we know he can rush the quarterback. But I think what you're going to have to – what we're going to have to do with him in some sense is if, if it does become a 4-3, he's going to have to probably play a will linebacker position, I would guess. Mm -hmm. I would imagine that's where you, you'd have to play him. Uh, and then bump him down on rushdowns. I could see that. I could see that working. But you know, to play that will linebacker spot, there's a lot of awareness, a lot of different things. You have to think about some, you know, what's going on behind you. Whereas yeah. when you play that three-four offensive linebacker, you're just worried about what's in front of you. You might drop a little bit every now and again, but you're rushing or you're playing the run. You're looking ahead. You're not thinking about what's behind you, where you got to drop to, all that. So that's going to be an adjustment period. So I'm curious to see how that how that plays out if there is indeed a scheme change, as we would think there would be with Lovey Smith taking over. Boy, what do you think that evaluation is like of the secondary, the linebackers? Well, let's just go with the linebackers because certain guys who haven't been covering people who might need to in this defense, and you have to figure out or project how they might do that. I mean, it's not like you can have tryouts right now with your own yeah. players. Hey, guys, can you come on into the building? We want to see how you look at a 4-3, and we're going to go offense, defense. I mean, you'd love to be able to do all that stuff. Yeah right now you can't so you have to make projections and they'll be able to practice if there is off-season practice a little bit sooner than everybody else because you have a coaching change here yes. and you get a you get an instant look that way and that is still let's see is that prior to the draft yes i it is yes yes really? it'll be about two and a half three weeks before the draft yes well you get you get the start of off-season conditioning do you get enough of a look at them on a football field? I don't know. Maybe you do. Maybe you feel like you know enough and it can affect your draft. It might not affect your draft at all, but it certainly affects who you might get in a second and third wave of free agency. I think it's very tricky when you're switching up systems. Here's the thing, as crazy as it sounds, no matter what you do, scheme change, coaching change, whatever, no matter, it, let's say there is a scheme change, then everybody that walks on that field is a complete and total projection for the most part. Right, because you will not have seen any of these players play in that particular scheme for the most part. 
So, well, do you think Ross Blacklock can make the move? Do you think Charles Amenu can make the move outside? What do you think about Dukadji for? You know, everybody is forecasted, even, even guys coming from other teams. Well, how will they do around these sets of players? How will they do facing AFC South offensive lines? Every player that then comes in ends up being an absolute and total projection going forward, including obviously the ones that uh, I don't want to say are most valuable, but including the rookies who you have no idea what they might do. At least the other guys, you've seen them play NFL football, so you have some sort of clue of how they might adapt. Rookies, you have no, no clue, no idea, but I think that's where you've got to be able to at least find four, three or four through the rookie or undrafted rookie process that come in here and impact this defense. They may not be starters right away, but they can at least impact this defense right away. Well, you know, you and I will break down position groups maybe not every day, but every other day or however the frequency is. And as I look at them, I mean, just one more note here before we break. I think the secondary is going to have the most overhaul. I mean, when yes. you, it has to. When you just look at the amount of free agents in the secondary and then some of the guys they have, are they going to retain their services or not? I mean, they have an overhaul of overhauls taking place here in the defensive backfield going into 2021. Yeah, and, and again, this goes back to if you make a scheme change, you know, the one thought with what well, Tampa, uh, you know, Lovey Smith was a Tampa 2 guy. You know, you're playing 4 3 up front, and then you play the Tampa 2 in the back end. Now, to me, you got a couple line, you got a linebacker in Zach Cunningham that could play, I think, in any scheme and, and be fine and, and succeed. But in the secondary, you're absolutely right. Now, Justin Reed can play in pretty much any scheme you want him to. But if you're going to play more zone than you do man, does that open you up to look at certain guys? If you're going to play more man than zone, well, you're going to look at other guys to bring in uh, or to have. But I'm absolutely with you. I, there's no question. When you just look at what's back there in the secondary right now, you're like, man, there's going to be a ton of turnover if they want to get to a point where they want to stop people this year. Because you can't go into a year where you're hoping Gary Ann Conley's healthy um, right. and, and relying on that. Well, yeah, if Gary Ann Conley's healthy – well, then that leaves Vernon agent. inside. It's, yeah, I know, exactly. So I just think you've got – I think you've got four free agents back in the back end that played at certain points important roles for you that you got to make decisions on. Conley, Hargraves, Michael Thomas, and Philip Gaines. Those guys, you know, who's to say whether any, any of them are coming back? Mm-hmm. And then your depth is stretched at that point. And then, of course, you're not going to have Roby for the first game. So yep. it's, to me – yeah, uh, and here's, here's the, <laughs> the bad news in some sense, Mark. Wait, we haven't gotten the bad news yet? No, no. <laughs> the bad news – now, take this with a grain of salt because there might be the, – the, the secondary, in particular the corners in this draft, not, not the greatest. Right. And the free agency, not the greatest. The flip side of that is wide receivers incredible, both free agency and draft. But the corner position – is really not good in really in either respect. So that's going to make it even trickier. But then again, see crazier things happen. You find somebody in that drafted process and see what they can do. Uh, but yeah, there's a definite overhaul back, overhaul back there for sure. All right, coming up, more likely to happen. We haven't played this since last offseason, so let's play it today. AFC South stuff coming up, quarterback talk coming up, and more likely to happen. Let's get to it next on Texans Radio. 
It's Texans Radio. Mark Vandermeer and John Harris with you. It's Friday night, and I'm not going to sing. I swore I wouldn't do it, and I won't do it. No one wants to hear that. Uh, Johnny, and I hope people have been enjoying my uh, mini tours of NRG Stadium. I started it last night on Twitter with my office, and uh, today's was the Astrodome photo that's in the lobby of the groundbreaking of the Astrodome 59 years ago when the guys are firing the pistols into the ground. I mean, that is just so awesome. That, I mean, that's, for a guy like me who wasn't born here but got here as fast as I could, that is just uh, a fantastic picture. It's on Twitter. Go ahead, at Texans Voice. Check it out. Are you ready to play, Johnny? It's been a while. I'm always ready to play. Let's roll. All right. More likely to happen. More likely to finish second in passing yards in the AFC South, in the division. Now that Carson Wentz is in the division, because Watson with the Texans, and yes, Watson's going to be with the Texans, okay? Right. And <laughs> – I'm not, I'm not deaf to what's happening out there, but Watson with the Texans, I assume that's first. That's the easiest one in the world. So you got to pick the next three, more likely to finish next in passing yards because you have possibly Trevor Lawrence in Jacksonville. You have to just guess who their quarterback's going to be. Do they make them sit for a year behind somebody? Is Minshew going <laughs> to keep the seat warm? No. Uh, Wentz obviously plays for the Colts. Uh, that should go a lot better than it did in Philly. Wentz has talent, better roster. Uh, and then Ryan Tannehill. Does he throw for more than huge? Is Derrick Henry running the ball as well? You, got to, you have to decide all that stuff. So who's going to finish second in passing yards in the AFC South? I think it's Tannehill. Okay. And I say it's Tannehill because at some point I'm going to be right about this. I'm going to be right about the fact that Derrick Henry can't continue <laughs> to carry the offense week after week after week. Now, it's you a, know I've said that a few times. Yeah, it's kind of like uh, it's like me and Tom Brady 10 years ago. This is the year that he falls off. No, it's <laughs> not happening yet. I mean, the thing about it is I, I, I love Derrick Henry because he doesn't say much. He doesn't celebrate all his touchdowns. He just goes out and hammers people. And he's such a quiet, reserved guy. I, I, I love Derrick Henry. I hate facing him. And, oh, by the way, of those 2,000 yards, we gave up about 450 of them, I think. So, maybe if we stopped him, maybe, I don't know, maybe Tannehill will throw for even more yards. But I think it's Tannehill. I do think that Trevor's going to put up some numbers. He will be the guy in Jacksonville. And I, gosh, Mark, I'm just – I was a big fan of Carson Wentz, mm -hmm. and I feel like there are times where a guy can turn things around. He gets back with the right people. He's got the right fit around him. But it wasn't as if he didn't have talent in Philly. Now, his offensive line was, was always moving around because of injuries and things like that, but he had some weapons to throw to. And the one year where all that sort of came together was 2017 when he was the MVP candidate, and he was the MVP candidate before he got hurt in that game out in L.A., so I think there's something there. However, I also believe that confidence can play a role. And it felt like watching him last year, his confidence was badly shaken. And as long as things stay early on, you know, he has good games. And, you know, but the first time he has a rocky game and it doesn't go well, how does he react to the criticism he might get? How does he react? How does Frank Reich handle? All that kind of stuff. Yeah. I think Wentz ends up being the fourth of the lot. I'm not wow. ready to buy in to – I'm sorry, third. Oh. Yeah, third. Because Lawrence will be – Lawrence will be like – Lawrence will put up 3,200. He'll put up 3,200. He's got some weapons. There's no doubt. We've seen DJ Chark. 
Third play of the game, 77 yards, smoked us. We, but we've seen that for a while. We know they've got some weapons, and they'll add another couple, I think, in the draft. So he'll put up some numbers, but he'll also have some rocky moments. But I think he's last. I think Wentz is third. I think Tannehill ends up being second. He's just got too many weapons around him. Henry with that running game, teams are looking to take that away. He just faces – he faces four guys in the secondary more than anybody because everybody's looking to stop the run. So I'm saying Tannehill, number two. Okay. More likely to happen. More likely to retire next. Drew Brees, Ben Roethlisberger, Tom Brady. Now, Brees we thought was done this year. Looks like he's coming back. But anything can change at any time. You know, you could have a cold spell like we've had this week and decide, my body hurts. I'm not going to play football anymore. I don't know what's going on through the mind of Drew Brees or any of these guys. Tom Brady just won the Super Bowl. Clearly, he's fired up to win another one, his, his 18th Super Bowl. So what do you think here? Who's going to retire next among those three? I was convinced it was Drew Brees. Mm-hmm. I was convinced. I was convinced after the last – I was convinced two years ago that I thought he was done. Right. Definitely after last year, I thought he was done. Then when I was like, okay, he's coming back. Oh, now he's taking the NBC job. Okay, he's going to have one swan song, and then that's it. And then he's moving on to NBC. Winston takes over. They draft a quarterback or whatever they do with New Orleans. And New Orleans moves on. Breeze, you know, moves on to his football afterlife and away we go. But then I see that Drew's coming back. I don't think, I don't think that's a good thing for New Orleans. I really don't. As much as I love Drew, I'm, I'm a huge – I have been a huge Drew Brees fan for a long time, dating back to his days at Purdue, when at Purdue they would face Michigan and they faced Tom Brady. Now, Brady's playing as well as we've seen him play. So, why – I don't know why he would – you know, his offensive, line is, his offensive line is very good. Gronk's yeah. playing well. He still has Godwin Evans. Now, he might not have Godwin, who may move on in free agency. He's got Scotty Miller – we got the two backs in the backfield. They're excellent. He shouldn't leave. He should stay and, and play that thing till he dies, really, because Tampa Bay set up to win for a number of years uh, as long as he can stay healthy. So I think Brady stays. Breeze and Roethlisberger are like 1A, 1B to me. I, I just think what we saw from Ben even in week three, you're like, man, he's still got it. But mm, it's if we could have put any pressure on him, I don't know, man. Oh, and you yeah. started seeing that over the last – five, six games of the year really started breaking down. And you just get to a point as a team where you're like, all right, guys, look, we, you guys have meant a lot to this organization, but we've got to move on. We're really getting hurt because of the things that you can't do that you're trying to do. And then the things that you can't do that we really would like to do. So I think to me, it's breeze. I, I, I would be, I was really surprised hearing that rumor that he's coming back for another year. I mean, if I'm Sean Payton as gently as I possibly can, I got to walk over there like, Drew, look, man, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if this is the right thing. And maybe Mike Tomlin does the same thing in, in Pittsburgh. It sounds more like in Pittsburgh that, like, they're ready to handle the business of football and New Orleans isn't quite there yet with Drew Brees. That's the way it sounds. Okay. More likely to happen. This might be our last one. And bear with me, folks. I know I'm going to get eye rolls on Twitter for this one. But <laughs> the Texans with Watson – or the Patriots, more likely to make the playoffs next year. Bounce back year. Texans with Watson. I can't believe I have to say that to people, but that's what I'm going to say here. Or the Patriots with whatever they decide to do, because it's not going to be Cam Newton. So who's it going to be? I don't know. Uh, They do get those guys back from the um, opt-out last year. That will help defensively for sure. 
Absolutely. Yeah. Thing is, we saw that Patriots team with Cam Newton playing pretty well. Now, he's faced our defense, and we didn't, you know, we, we started really kind of opening a can of you-know-what on him late when we knew they, he had to throw. Then, you know, we was bringing blitzes from all over the place, and then they couldn't handle it. But, you know, we saw that Patriots team do some good things. I just don't think the Patriots are set up at this point. Now, I was going to say what quarterback could they go out and get and do something with, but it's I don't put anything past Belichick at this point. You know, could Belichick put together a package and call Seattle and say, look, we're going to give you Ooh. all of this for Russell Wilson? So I mean, that is I, the unknown. That, that, to me, is the major unknown in this. So mm. let's do that one. More likely to happen. Quarterback in New England, Russell Wilson or – The field? The field. <laughs> the field. <laughs> yeah, the field. Yeah. Uh, this Russ, oh, my gosh. Russell Wilson in New England would make me sick. Yeah, it's, uh, it's not good. I don't even no. want to entertain that no. thought, Johnny. All right, coming up, let's go around the league now. Uh, a lot of stuff happening around the NFL that always does. Denver in the news, and I'll tell you why they're in the news, and I just don't understand some of this stuff, and you can help explain it to me. It's next on Texans Radio. Mark Vandermeer, John Harris with you. Texans Radio heading into the weekend. So, Johnny, uh, the Denver Broncos were one of those teams that everyone was touting as a possible destination for the unthinkable, the previously yes. unthinkable, and in my view, currently unthinkable, uh, that we really don't talk about much on this particular program. But why? Why? What is so unbelievably spectacular about the Broncos? I know they have the new GM in Patton. You've got four consecutive losing seasons here. And we like Vic Fangio. He's a former Texans defensive coordinator. But he's going into year three, and he was on thin ice in Denver heading into uh, the offseason. And, look, if it doesn't go well early, this could be uh, an early season firing. I mean, I'm sure – I haven't looked at all the betting odds for first coach to get fired in 2021. <laughs> but he's got to be on that list somewhere. And I hate yeah. to say it, Vic, but you know it's true. So why is this such a wonderful spot for anybody to land? I, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I've been asking myself the same thing. I, I don't know. I mean, when you, first of all, look at the division, you got to face the Chiefs twice. You know, the Chargers um, – the, the, the Chargers are going to end up being, I think, a pretty good squad here with Justin Herbert. Yep. I, I don't know. I don't – I'm not totally sure. I don't I – don't, I feel like Denver – Denver sits on the precipice, though. They've got some young talent, especially offensively. Noah Fant, Jerry Judy, K.J. Hamler. Mm -hmm. you know, they've got some young talent. Garrett Bowles had a really good year. You know, we say going into the year that, you know, Bowles – had struggled prior to, but, man, he turned it around and became the left tackle that we all thought he could be because he's a heck of an athlete. So they've got some, they've got some pieces. But Von Miller may not be there much longer. And the other pieces on defense, you look at and go, eh, I don't know. I don't really see a whole lot. You know, Bradley Chubb is a good player, but still, you know, wasn't 100% healthy last year. You know, Kareem is still there, but, you know, Kareem's now about 85 Yep. You know, Justin Simmons is a really good football player, but I don't know how much longer you know he's going to stick in Denver. So I don't know that I, I don't, I don't get it. I mean, last year Denver was kind of the flavor of the month going into the year in some sense. Oh, they got Drew Locke, and well, you know, Drew Locke pretty much played like his second year at Missouri. Now, if Drew Locke plays this year like his third year at Missouri, 
then the Broncos might have something. But I'm not expecting that anytime soon. Well, the thing about Drew Locke is, you know, I always – this is not the first place I look, but it's one of the first places. And in the NFL, your completion percentage has got to be up there. It can't yes. be – it's 57%. This is the National Football League. If you're below 60, you got to do some stern self-examination here. What is wrong with you if you can't complete 60% of your passes in this league? Now, it used to be 50. Like, 50 was yeah, yeah. that – that like <laughs> the you got to get above sea level, right? Yeah. You know, like when Dante played, if you were above fifty, you felt okay. But it was a different game then. You know, it was yeah. a lot of, yeah, it wasn't as much throwing. It was a lot of deep shots. It was some short passes. But if fifty, if you're above fifty, you're in good shape. Is Namath career like below fifty or something like that, or it's right around there? It's pretty darn close. Yeah. So it's really close. I, I mean, mean, it's. Yeah, yeah. To me, no. that's unacceptable. And then Locke obviously lit up the Houston Texans in 2019. It's just one of those freak games, clearly, because he hasn't really been that way against anybody else. 16 TDs last year, 15 interceptions. So, uh, yeah, it's not surprising that they'd want a new quarterback. Uh, but I don't know if uh, you can look at the entire roster, the entire situation there, and say that's an organization – headed in the right direction, uh, even though they have the new GM, they have a coach that might not last that long. But the Raiders are also another one to watch out West. In fact, I almost made this one of my more likely to happen questions, more likely to return to prominence of these proud franchises, the Broncos or the Raiders. And the Raiders obviously had a better season last year. But look, look what happened to them against Fitzy late yep. in the season. They had it all out there for themselves, and they couldn't close the deal. And then the Dolphins the next week couldn't close the deal for themselves when Fitzy had COVID and Tua had to play. Yeah, you know, with the Raiders, to me, Mark, it feels like the puzzle pieces are on the table, and Gruden's having a hard time putting all the puzzle pieces together, and he gets impatient with those puzzle pieces. I had this conversation with a buddy of mine the other day who's an agent, uh, who had a client with the Raiders at some point. And it was like, you know, he, he, gets, he gets impatient. You know, like P.J. Hall. You know, P.J. was a second-round pick, and they just went, eh, done. It was like, right. you know, he didn't get his th to his third year. And we saw P.J., and, you know, P.J. had to drop a little weight, got himself back in shape. And it's like, well, yeah, that's – yeah, that's a good football player right there. And Gruden got impatient with that. So, I think – and I don't know whether that changes. However, I do think the Raiders have got pieces. It's just a matter of once they put them together, figuring out, okay, well, we need this and we need that. Defensively, they got to make some changes. They're, they're awful up front. They're not very good. They could have used a guy like P.J. Hall last year. I'll tell you that. Yeah. They could have used him. But they've, they've got some guys that can make some plays. They also got to rein some dudes in. Jonathan Abram could be one of the better safeties in the league, but he's too hot-headed and undisciplined, and he's just he's killing them in big games. He killed them against the Chiefs, blowing a coverage that cost them in a game-winning touchdown. So – they just have got pieces. The puzzle's not coming together yet, and Gruden might be too impatient to put it together. I have to watch that 30 for 30 on Al Davis, don't I? Oh, you haven't watched it yet? It's fantastic. No. Oh, it's so good. I got to see it. I got to see it's it. It's so good. Tonight. It's such a good NFL history lesson. Good lesson. All right, Johnny, thanks so much for the time, as always. You got it, Mark. Thank you. So tonight, it's uh, between that 30 for 30 with the Raiders or the Tiger Woods documentary. I haven't finished that yet. I'm not caught up there. Or uh, Ray Donovan, which I've been catching up with, which I know is uh, basically over. But um, I'm watching it in retrospect. Okay. Thanks to everyone for listening, being a part of the show tonight. Have a great weekend. Go to HoustonTexans.com and the Texans app for all sorts of great information on your Texans. Go Texans.